a big day for you. <sighs> Why is it a big day for you? Can you tell everyone? I actually was certain that you were going to talk about this today. Of course I would. This is like breaking news. Not really. Fox News will, will put this up. <laughs> no. You've been living with this it's been a while. person for how long? This person. You're breaking up with this person. I feel like I'm evicting a tenant. Yeah. Well, what is it? <laughs> so this pimple yeah. on my face. Oh, yeah. This Are we is, sure it's a pimple? No. So, so your dad thinks that it's um, cystic acne. Oh, yeah. See, the thing is, I have not had acne, right? Ever. No. I've been very, I'm sure very, very people blessed. people listening right now who want to fucking kill you. I'm sure there are. And to Why be honest, I understand. But I used to get bacne and stuff, right? So, I understand how <laughs> shit it is. Excuse me? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Bacne, like acne for the back. That is it called bacne? Yeah, legit. <laughs> it is. Why is that so I've never funny? heard that. Yeah. It's so, like, it's like uh, it was too hard to say back acne. Well, it sounds shit, right? It's like, like back acne oh, sounds back better. Acne. <laughs> yeah. You know what really disgusts me? What? It's like the elbow skin. Oh, the elbow skin. Oh, I think it's cute. <laughs> like, yeah, if you draw a face on it. With, like, no, eyes and like stuff. when you feel it, it's like soft and shit. Yeah. They say it's like the inside of your uh, sexual organs, apparently. What? The skin here. That is bullshit. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't I thought know. so. I've, I've, I've heard the that. The fuck are you? Anyways, so so back yeah. to your pimple. Uh, back to my pimple. Well, it's it's not a pimple; it's a acne. It's a cystic acne, so it's quite deep. Mm-hmm. The doctor that I went to prior, he said that it's very tough from the inside. Mm-hmm. So he he prescribed antibiotics and he prescribed this ointment to me, and he said, "Oh, you know, you know, put the ointment on and then take one tablet every single day for a month." For a month? Yeah, and I. <laughs> I felt a bit, and he's like, also, you know, avoid sunlight. <laughs> like, so I'm just well, be- you're in Melbourne, so I don't need to worry about that. Yeah, no, but also, I don't like the idea of putting something into my body that I don't need. Because then I asked him, what do you think it is? Like, after he's prescribed all this to me, he goes, oh, look, I don't think it's going to go away, even with the medication. But it's the easier thing to do right now because it's That's- otherwise you have to get it taken out by a dermatologist. And I'm like thinking, why don't you just refer me on to a dermatologist instead of wasting my time for about a month? Well, then is- come back. He's like, oh, but this might work. And like, but you literally just said it may not work. It's like giving a troop a gun and telling him to stand at the border in case you need it, but you might not need it. But you're holding this big fucking gun anyway. Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense. It is. It does. It's like having something with you that you probably might not even use, uh, but you yeah, still have it. I don't know if that's the same thing. Did you come up with a great analogy? No. No, but I didn't try to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I want my listeners to feel what you're feeling. <laughs> well, that's not irrelevant. That. <laughs> but I had this idea. Well, not an idea. It was mm. more like a thought that I think GPs feel like if they don't prescribe you medication, they haven't done their job. Probably, yeah. I mean, look, I don't know. This guy was really – look, he was a nice guy, but – I don't need a nice guy for my GP. Like, he was squeezing around it. Like, not squeezing. Whoa, 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 whoa. He was pushing down on her. Oh, God, just stop it. You wanted to talk about my pimple. Oh, pimple, okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, anyways. Anyways, so, obviously, afterwards, I was just like, screw it. I'm just – I'll just go to your dad yeah. after all that because – What did he say? So <laughs> – so, firstly, your dad requested a photo of my pimple. Yeah. This was a very confronting thing for me to do. Why, why is I that? I don't know. It was weird. It was weird taking a fucking close-up shot of my pimple and sending it. I don't know. It felt really 
odd. Is because it because it, if it was like a doctor, I didn't know. I think it would have been like whatever. Yeah, look, he would have seen like so all sorts of shit. Which is exactly why you shouldn't feel that awkward. I don't point. know. It's just the fact that we've had a personal relationship this entire time. He's yeah. never had to treat me for anything. It's a boundary that you're crossing. Yeah, it's like well, now I am also your patient, and you get to see this very like you know because whenever I come here, I'm always like oh you know I look nice. No, I, I find that there's a, there's a certain boundary that people don't like to cross, especially with personal relationships. And I think once anything body related is weird. See, I, this is what I was thinking about on my drive here. I had a long time to think. Yeah. And yeah. so one of the thoughts that came to my head was how we are all very, very insecure about things about us, like, you know, pimples or like, I don't like my nose or I do laser and get rid of my body hair and all that sort of stuff. And I just think it's funny that we have these insecurities. You know, we have to measure it up against something that we prefer or that we're programmed to prefer over the other, which which is why we're insecure about it in the first place. Like I've seen models with perfect looking f- noses. So to me, it's like, oh, I want a little petite nose. Yeah, but you, know? but you know what the interesting thing is, what you might consider perfect, they might still go ser- under surgery because they think mm. that it's still not perfect. And that's where... The problem is where does it end? Yeah. Because it doesn't end. I think it's a perception problem. And not only women, men do this too. Um, you know, they'll go get Botox or they'll – all that sort of stuff like, you know, fake lashes and stuff like that. And I'm not chastising any of this when I'm saying all of this. I'm just saying it's funny how we do so many things to look a certain way. I think this is a good segue. So you and I were talking about uh, a really interesting uh, subject, which is friendships. One thing that I read, uh, this article was from the New York Times. It's an opinion piece, but it is based on some research, mm-hmm. which said that we think that people who are actually aesthetically good looking, mm-hmm. we tend to want to be friends with them because oh. because aesthetically good looking means familiarity for some reason. That Our is brain so perceives it as familiarity, and and the idea that you know aesthetics play a big role even in your friendships, and you want to be friends with someone who. I don't know what it is, is about a, your brain. That's yeah. It, it it isn't look. It is based on some research. But then that really moves into our other topic that we wanted to talk about. Do good-looking people have it better? Um, it depends what you mean by better. Well, just they get more opportunities in life. More opportunities. I hundred percent agree. I think so. I think they hundred percent do get more opportunities, and I think which is shit. But I I, I think we already know that. I yeah, think, I know. I, I just but think the it's fact a shit that we thing sti- to reckon with. Yeah, but I think the fact that we still consider it as a problem just prolongs it. What do you mean by that? Like the, the, the fact that it is still a thing and we kind of go, yeah, of course, good-looking people have it better. Like we keep on prolonging that idea, don't you think? What do you mean by prolonging that idea? Like well, we it keep keeps doing on it? it? Yeah, but like my thing is that even though it is, like it's a known fact that good-looking people have more job opportunities, mm. TV has moved away from it actually. They want interesting faces now. Mm. So it's really funny when I was in Bombay and you're auditioning with like 10,000 people, they actually end up choosing people who look quirky and funny. Yeah. Because people are sick and tired of looking at great looking people. I was going to say, um, I found when I scroll through my Instagram and I see all these different influences and people that are like, got like so many followers and all that sort of stuff or want to get a lot of followers and they're in the thousands, mm. I find that they all behave exactly the fucking same. Yeah. And all their stories, the shit they put up. But it's a formula that works. It does work. And I just find it really funny because how many people can you follow that do pretty much the same shit? Like how many possibly could you do? Well, until you you get exhausted by it, I think. Like I've reached a point where it's boring. 
It but, is. I find it fucking boring. Like, you know, I look at the girls and I'm like, you all look the same to me. You know what's really interesting is like a lot of people give me crap for like uh, downloading TikTok. But, but I, Do they? Yeah. People are like, oh, why are you downloading TikTok? It's such a waste of time. It's really interesting how many things I've learned from TikTok. Like, for example. But that's also because you choose to learn exactly, things right? for it. And, like, and I, and if you didn't, it'd be different. Like, you yeah. could be. But, but there's still content in the middle that's very generic. But, for example, I asked my dentist this the other day. So, I went for my dentist appointment. And I asked him, should you be actually rinsing your mouth after brushing? Or should you just spit it out? Like, it's a very good question. Because he said. That depend- is actually a really good question. Yeah. Because often I see on TV. They just spit it out and walk out. That's what you're supposed to do if you have really bad um, cavities. So if you're, if the health of your teeth is really bad, you're actually not supposed to um, rinse, rinse it because the fluoride should stay on your teeth. That is insane. Like, did you know that? No. I didn't know that until a dentist on TikTok said it. And I was like, man, I learned something incredible today. Wow. That is actually pretty cool. Fact. Yeah, you should tell Hamara. Yeah. Because she, I, she really like, cares about it. She does care about it. She's got really good teeth. After years of like having <laughs> yeah. braces. After oh, years of having braces. But a lot of content like I've shown you on TikTok is like all these chicks doing that dance in, in like really short skimpy clothes. Uh, I think people still love to see hot chicks. People love looking at good looking people. But uh, personally, <laughs> yeah, that's a universal thing, I guess. Yeah, but I personally like the fact that there's not that much nudity. I think it, you know, adds more to the imagination. I think most, you know, it, with that level of understanding would say that too. So I saw this article. Mm-hmm. It's it's a you know American Psychological Association article APA. So it is oh, a yeah. reputable article. We're talking about physical attractiveness. I remember a while ago I watched, and I think you watched it as well. One hundred humans. So they do social experiments. Uh, with that, they did one where they asked the question: Does physical appearance make a difference? in terms of how your life will go, for example. Yeah. I think that was kind of what they it were trying to go. was one of the first episodes, I think. First two or three I episodes. I think so, yeah. And so in that, they that they kind of looked at, do criminals that are better looking get a lesser sentence than one that is not as good looking? Or, or even colour, for that matter. And race. And race is a big uh, one. Yeah, 100%. So that was one thing they did. And they were trying to show everybody that... I remember they would they basically see people in this classroom and they tell you the story about um, these two prisoners mm-hmm. who have pretty much committed the same crime, yes. but one is way more good looking than yeah. the other one. Yep. But there was an article that was published in 1980. Defendants' attractiveness as a factor in the outcome of criminal trials. So basically, they looked at the physical attractiveness of 74 defendants in criminal court which covers like a broad range of offences. And basically they found out of all of that, that attractiveness was predictive. And they said that the more attractive the defendant is, the less severe the sentence imposed. Mm -hmm. And even though the seriousness of the crime was, you know, basically negative, it still correlated very strongly with attractiveness levels. Yeah. Which which is madness. Which goes back to the idea that, People think that if someone is physically more attractive, they're more familiar and they feel safer. Yes. And that's why outcasting happens so easily. When we see someone who looks different than us, we get scared. I guess it would be. I don't... Look, it's hard to say why we do it, but it is a visual thing for us. Mm. So, Serial, the podcast is one of... It's one of the top three podcasts in the world. And the first one is about this 16-year-old Muslim kid who was dating this Asian girl in America in a high school. Uh, So, they had broken up Mm -hmm. and... 
A couple of days after the breakup, this girl disappeared and they found her dead two weeks after. Okay. Turns out they tried to convict the guy. Right. Yep. And I think you've told me about this yep. actually. In yeah. Every, there was never any evidence found. That he did. Actually, yeah. It's opinion but to it. again, he was a Muslim guy. So automatically he was perceived as, yeah, the evidence shows nothing. But the chance of him being the culprit is probably higher than chance of like a regular white person. Yeah, but that's separate, I think, to physical appearance in terms of yeah, but it's, attractiveness. It's, it's kind of discrimination. Talk, yeah, discrimination, which is, I think, a different. It's relative, but also different now. Like the way that I think it's now relative is that if you're a good looking ethnic person, you are far more accepted in society. Now, I, I think people are going to hate me for saying this, but I personally, my experience is, your chances of being accepted as an ethnic girl is still higher than an ethnic guy. Yeah, but I do think it gets watered down a bit because I also think that... Ethnic girls are considered exotic. Yeah. More often than ethnic dudes are. But you know what people love, I notice? And this is like a very like... Pizza. Yep, pizza. Everyone loves pizza. But like I think what people really love in a guy is humour. And I think that if they find a very funny ethnic bloke, that's fine. And, and they're very widely accepted, I find, as well. Coming as a uh, North Indian person, I think there was so much stress laid on your looks. I literally thought that's how the world works. If you're decent looking and if you're fair in colour, you'll be okay. I mean, I wonder if that's the same for people that have higher mental health issues. Oh, oh 100%. I mean, it all starts in, in, in middle school, high school, where you very quickly know. Like, I knew straight away as soon as I was in, like, third or fourth grade, because from kindergarten to second grade, you don't know what people look like. Kids, they're all kids, right? Yeah. But as soon as you get to like third, fourth grade, mm-hmm. suddenly you realize, okay, Jack is way more good looking than me. And Jack's having an easier life already. Like, because Jack's friends with everyone. Yeah, but that's a very like social standard that we pick. Because I remember in high school, I don't think there was a lot of guys that I looked at and I'm like, you're not good looking. Yeah, but but, but that's, that's very relative, right? Well, why were they popular? I don't know because they were just outgoing. Yeah, so that's so that's so, another thing, right? Yeah, but that's nothing. So the first layer, I think, is physical. Physical, of course, because yeah. that's what we look at first. And then the rest is actually then personality, which is what this article said, and character yeah. t- characteristics. Yeah, and that wears off pretty quickly. The the physical factor wears off really quickly. Yeah, and and it it's would. like it's like. Um, but then. My question still remains because I think that that applies for people that are all right looking. Neither here nor there. Like, you're not ugly, but you're not... Mediocre. Yeah, but you're not hot either. You're just whatever. You don't stand out in a crowd, but you're still in the crowd. Yes. What happens to the very ugly ones? Like the ones that are deemed very unattractive. They have a tougher life. They have a tougher life, not because they're ugly. They have a tougher life because they're perceived as ugly. Yeah. What a smart way to put it. That's a very deep thing to say. Very smart. Very wise. It is though, like it is because it's all a perception thing, right? It is like a you just thing. said, you didn't find those people attractive. No, but that's and that's, also- that's what average looking men look for are women like you, and they yeah, and I, that's why humor is a big thing. I think having, huge. I think sense of humor is like mm-hmm. like if you look at comedians, especially all well, these yeah. comedians have like you'd be like, how did that guy end up with this woman? Oh, mm-hmm. great sense of humor. Yeah. So it's conversation, I guess. An interview that we did with EA, I found that. Um, you said something which is about colonialism. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we talk about fairness of skin, older generational women, I find like mothers and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, for like our age group, they often tend to look for fairer skinned people for their children. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that like it stood out to me a lot because I realized how ingrained colonialism has actually. Oh, oh bang. I mean, I don't even. It's, uh, I think that's why, to be honest, like um, Mehdi Hassan on, on BBC, you find him. He's one of the best orators because he so clearly, he identifies himself as, as British. Yes. But he is Muslim. Yeah. And, you know, he spent so much time talking about how the British have had such a massive impact. Yeah. On especially being a Hindu or a Muslim. Yes. Because people don't understand that it, it's, it's not, it's a segregation that was made on the basis of religion. Yes. If you're dividing two people on the basis of religion, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so hard to get out of your system. Mm. And then that's what you're taught. And the idea of being fairer is actually, I would say I'd add another layer to it. Um, so if you look at the Brahmin caste, mm. the Brahmin caste are the priest class in India. They tend to be the people who teach you the religious text. And a lot of them tend to be fairer. And I don't know how that has happened over time. I don't know what the reason is. But somehow, you know, especially growing up in India, it's a symbol of wealth somehow that if you're fairer. Uh, so I look at randomly, I always look at um, ads that, you know, parents put up for their children. Mm-hmm. And it's like a part of the part that really bugs me is that they go looking for fair-skinned blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that just, it, it's like you're getting segregated as is mm-hmm. for, you know, not being fair. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you're doing it too. And so now it's like you were right. Like it, it is something that we kind of, you know, generationally will have grown up to. Well, when someone's been in your house for 200 years telling you that I'm better than you because I'm white. Yeah. Eventually it's going to be like, oh yeah, white's better. Of course it's better. And that's how long, and I think that's what people don't understand is how long the Britishers were in India and Pakistan for. They were there for 200 years. Yeah. That's a lot of time. Yeah, it's a lot of time. I can barely stand people in my house for a day. (laughs) Yeah. And man, the kind of stuff that they made us do, like clean their toilets. Yeah. Like Indians were basically given the most menial jobs to do. Yeah. You know, again, I I think I'm playing the devil's advocate, which is important. So if in India you go, most of the people who work in our houses, in North India especially, are people from Nepal. They're They're the ones helping out. If you go to places like Dubai, who's driving the taxis? Indians. And here as well. Yeah. And then even in countries like Saudi, like a lot of Indians go to South Indians go to Saudi to work because it's tax-free income. Yeah. And so, you know, a, a lot, we have been so used to being servient and like, it's it's hard to come out of that. I don't think, I think there's something in generational trauma. Yeah. I always find it interesting because I didn't have siblings. Mm. That did it matter if one sibling was slightly darker than the other one. How did they feel about it? Were they, because of course parents treat all their kids equally. No, let's not, let's, I mean, look, they surely have favorites. Let's be honest. I don't know. I can't say. I I don't know. I'm the only child, so I don't know. I can't judge either. Because I had it with cousins, Mm. especially like if I was suddenly played out in the sun for too long during summer break, I was just darker. My grandparents would be like, look at your cousin. He's so much fairer. So it probably happened. It's huge. I mean, when I came back from Africa, I was really dark and my mom was like, you're too dark. What does that even mean that you're too dark? <laughs> it was too dark. And what are you supposed to do with that piece of information? I don't know, but isn't it bad? It is, but but then again, like, we're not addressing the fact, like, where does she get it from, right? I know, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, it's trickled down. And it's not an education thing. It's something culturally that's just taught to us. Mm. And some women literally have better marriage prospects just because they're fair. They, they could do. be from a poor family, but be fair, and they could be married in a better family. And then it goes down to the caste system, which we're going to discuss sometime down the track. Yeah, caste system is like a 
full detailed explanation of because I I know that there's a lot of false information about the caste system out there. It is, yeah. So I find it really like annoying, and I think that this is a thing that most women kind of talk about as well as a problem, is when dudes will love to look at things that are skimpy and like you know they have that whole side to them, but when it comes to the women they want, she has to be a certain way, which is like a homely girl. Um, you know, that hasn't gone around, you know, sleeping with people or whatever it is. I mean, I don't think that it's across the board. Mm, That's I'm not pointing fingers, but I do find it really common, especially, you know, that very Muslim background. Mm. They always want a virgin, which I find very problematic. Which which is really But they will go and fuck so many women. Yeah, Yeah, which they don't mind. No, and that's fine. But then when they settle down, I want a virgin. Why do you think they're why do you keep on looking at my hands? Because you're very like I've been noticing you. Yeah, look at no, my because hand you, you're doing a lot of hand gestures today. Oh, I'm sorry. You're for talking being a lot with your hand today. I find. Yeah, because you're wrapped like Puff Daddy. <laughs> I'm like in that. Like, I'm like a in burrito. Yeah, I'm a burrito. Like a burrito. Cold. Um, so yep. uh, the question that I was going to ask you is that um, what were you talking about? <laughs> I just got distracted <laughs> by my hand gestures. My own by hands. By your own hands. By my own hands. Hey, speaking of hands, real quick, just before I actually forget. I think I I was considering this. Hand surgery? No. I want to become a hand model. It says here that I could make about $75,000 a year from doing some hand modeling. Just hand modeling? Yeah. So if I, like, if I did this on the How would you qualify? What's a good hand? I think I've got great hands. I think I'm pretty serious. I'm getting pretty serious about this as a career choice for me. Like that's the only career you want to have? Not the only career, but it's one of the side gigs I'd like to have. Don't you have enough side gigs like this podcast? Yeah. Oh, you I mean ones that, ones that get you money? I want ones that just throw money at me, like huge amounts. At your hands? Yeah, they hand me the money. Oh, I see what you're doing. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I guess I'll hand it over to you then. You Look, puns like these can always come handy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't think you've ever seen Seinfeld. Uh, no, I haven't. So there's a character in Seinfeld called George Costanza. Yeah. He's like the short guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And his, his whole thing in the show is that his life's pathetic. And, oh. he gets, and he gets the shitty side of things all the time. <laughs> but he perpetuates it because he talks about, oh, life's so tough. Yep. So this one time someone actually says to him, hey, your hands are really great. You could be a hand model. Oh, really? But he's an OCD person. Oh, no. So he talks to his mom. His mom's like sitting right next to him. And he's like, mom, can you shut up? My hands need to relax for tomorrow's shoot. Wow. <laughs> and his, his mom's applying like essential oils and stuff. <laughs> That's hilarious. But getting back to uh, the, the virgin part, I just realized. Why, oh, do, yeah. why do guys like... The idea of having a uh, pure woman—that's how they that, call well, it. Well, you already added a definition to it. Okay. Yeah, because it it's, it's unfortunately like that's how it's seen. Oh, this woman is more pure because why else would they want a, a virgin? Well, it, so it makes you think like. Well, I think there's another reason to it. I think it's for a lot of people because they're like it feels good, as in the actual yeah. sex, which is just push. which is well for most cases maybe a couple of minutes. So yeah, you, I was, that's what I thought. Yeah, but but then it's like it's. But just, do you think it's that just? I think for people who are not, who don't care about the purity factor of it, because there's some people out there who just do it because it feels good. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, they do like tight. That's yeah. what they call them, yeah. tight girls. Yeah, like the, yeah. Think about that. You're calling someone a tight girl. It's so. But what about like virgin dudes? No one's talking about a virgin. No, dude. but that's what I'm saying, and it's so unfortunate, like right? F- that we talk like about a fresh dick. Like, yeah, 
I just find it really funny that we we talk about like girls' virginity because it's so much easier mm-hmm. to equate hers. But I think virginity is a religious thing. Yeah, it is. It is a very religious concept. Yeah, so people don't even... It's a subconscious belief, actually. Yeah. People might think that they don't think about it, but that's where it comes from. Like, yeah. they've been taught as babies that a yeah. virgin woman is the best woman. It doesn't bother me when a guy is a virgin or not, but I think that I am put off by a guy that's had sex with too many girls. Yeah. Like, I, that puts me off. Yeah. But that's... I'm less than five, so... <laughs> Four and a half. Okay, anyway. Four. <laughs> Could reduce at any time too. How yeah. is it reducing? That doesn't even make sense. Uh, memory. Guys brag. You know. That. Yeah. I Guys know. brag a lot about. I don't know why they want to brag about this. Guys get a big hit about. <laughs> oh my god. I, I, I don't know why I'm talking like that. I like, don't know. Guys don't check. talk like that. <laughs> like, dude, I just like slept with like a hundred chicks. Like this rapper, he was doing this interview, and this guy was like, it was a hip, um, like a hip hop podcast or something, and this guy asked this rapper, it's like, dude, since the last six months. And it was during lockdown. How many women have you slept with? It's like a thousand in six That's months. That's madness. How do you a even... A thousand. How do you do that? And you why must... do you know that count? It's like he's sitting there putting them in yeah. his... Yeah. He has an Excel spreadsheet. Like yeah. plus one, plus one. He makes charts with that thing. We people are obsessed with sex. Yeah. Sex is a whole thing though, right? Like there are people that have sexual addictions and... Yeah. It's a, it's a very... You know, I think that there is actual things out there. Uh, Professor Drain, he, he knows he knows a lot about it. Oh, yeah. Michael. He knows a lot about addictions in general. I think you know what I've found recently. I think nowadays because we talk to so many different accents. Mm. Now I don't even. We talk to accents. We talk to. It's just accents. (laughs) No, but like what I mean is just a voice. Yeah, I should have said uh, we talk to so many different people and hear so many different accents that to me now, if somebody's talking to me in a different accent, I won't. I won't even be like, oh, what accent is it? Yeah, but most people. So strange. Most people don't. No, like especially uh, in Australia. Australia is multicultural. Fuck. Yeah, I know it is. I just think that like I was more susceptible to picking it up. Yeah. But now I don't even, I feel like I'm just blind to it completely. Yeah, yeah, you used to be quite picky with me. Not picky. That's not the right word. Like this is what happened. This is why I pointed yours out. It was because when I first met you, I didn't actually notice it. And then the more you and I spoke, I'm like, oh, he actually has an accent. Yeah. But I didn't pick it up. From the get go, because there's a there's a negative connotation with accents. Like I don't think there is. I hundred percent. I think it depends on the accent. See that that itself is a judgment. No, but that's what I'm saying. I'm but, saying but that there is I, no negative connotation to. But that accents. is the negative connotation. Like saying the fact that it depends on the accent. Yep. is a judgment. What's that called? It's like a schism, like a accentism. No, don't make up schisms. Okay. Uh, this is not the podcast I for I just, it. I just thought I'd make it up. Well, so well, now that we talked about, you know, why people are so obsessed with virgins. Yeah. How many how many real friends do you have right now? Uh, I've got five. Yeah. I think. So five. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me count. No, let's go with five. Okay. <laughs> um, we don't have time for this. We don't have time for this. But I think five. It, it's good because in this uh, New York Times review, when they uh, they've done research on about 92,000 subjects and they found out that you can actually possibly only have less than or equal to five friendships in your lifetime. I also, okay, really quickly touching on that. So this is props to basically a podcast that I listened to that was, this was recommended to me by a good friend of mine. She's in the five and you don't need to say that. I just want to shout out. Okay. She knows who she is. So Um, then do a proper (laughs) shout out. Who is that? I don't want to name names here. Anyway. So 
Um, no, just shut up. Cindy? So it's called Life Uncut. So in this particular episode, they actually talked about friendships. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because they said a few things that were quite interesting or I found. They had a woman on who, I can't remember her name. She was a psychologist who studies friendships. and I'm going to she... find it out while you read because... While I read. Well, while you talk. Okay. Um, so she did a study and she said that in our lives, we only have room for five relationships. Same. No. So friendships and relationships differ. So relationships that she meant was, um, you know, it, that includes your siblings, that includes your family, and that includes then everything else outside of that. So th- she's talking about the people that are direct contact with you. This could be your husband. This could be your child. Was it a neuropsychologist? Uh, I don't remember. Dr. Hannah? Yeah, it must be. Honestly, can't remember. Yeah. I've got so, a horrible yeah, memory yeah, this is it. So it's Dr. Hannah, 19 Jan, 2021. Yeah, Life Uncut, if you guys want to listen to Brit and Laura. And that one was a very good, I found good episode. Um, And I do think that like, yeah, they're females and stuff, but I do think that this is very much something guys can also listen to and get a lot out of. Well, guys don't actually consciously think about it. That's the only difference. No, they don't. Like the thing they said is why is it okay that we put up with the things that friends may do and not say anything potentially about it? Because we often don't have arguments with our friends about something that they've done that's upset us. Like we often don't. We often well, overlook we try it not to. or we try not to. Yeah. However, if a partner did it, we'd be like on them about well, it. Like we'd be like, why the fuck did you do this? But that's obvious as it should be because no, you're spending more the... time with your yes, partner. Yes, and that's what they said as well. But... I could have I could have been a special guest. No, but guest. That's, not, that's not the point. The point is, is that we should still have similar expectations from our friends because why is it okay to keep a toxic friendship in our life but it's not okay to keep. You know what I mean? It's like, why can't we have the same sort of... Oh, I see where you were going with it. It's, yes. it's the idea of like... So you're saying a toxic friendship could have the same effect, similar effect, I wouldn't say same, similar effect to a toxic relationship. Yes, and the only difference is, is obviously the amount of time we spend with that person. That yeah. is the only reason we put up with more of it when yeah. it comes to our friends. 100%. And right. also, we, all, we also give friendship that thing where, um, you know, oh, they're my party friend or they're my this friend or they're just like that, you know? Well, and yeah, so that, anyway, I guess long story short is that particular episode was really good because they did talk about toxic friendship and, you know, why it's important to give those up if if that is the case and and hold the person accountable for what their actions have done to us or whatever it is. Well, talking about speaking up. Well, language is one of those things. Because we I can't survive we, without it either, right? No, Of course not, but it's about the way we use it. Okay. When you speak, and if you are speaking your mind, and if you are being honest, Mm -hmm. a lot of the time the truth is always going to come out at Mm -hmm. some stage. The problem is within us. It's within our heads. So Mm -hmm. the way we think about certain things and the way we believe things to be, that is the one thing that's going to come out. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. And things come out accidentally. Like we'll accidentally say something, and we won't even see that it's wrong or incorrect or whatever it is, but we'll just say it. Yeah, and I think people, on the other hand, assume the worst. Yeah. It, it, in some ways, it's taken as the be-all, end-all. But people, have, we have so many different forms of languages, like body language is a thing, right? People could be saying yeah. something else and expressing something else. We have this whole thing called language. However, we don't use it properly. And I think one of the ways is that we don't hold people accountable for what they've done wrong and eventually makes us feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good segue to um, the article that I read. And Alex Pentland, he's a computational social science researcher at MIT. And he did this recent study called Are Your Friends? friend and poor perception of friendship ties limits the ability to promote behavioral change 
So the study essentially took 84 subjects in mm-hmm. a business management class, right? Yeah. And they all asked um, each of them, rate everyone in this class as um, them being your friend or not. So zero being, I don't know them at all. 10 being they're my best friends. Gotcha. And what they realize is our perception of someone being a friend might not actually be true the other way around. Oh, yeah. That's another one she actually talked about, which is really, it is actually really, really prominent. Yeah. So the feelings were mutual only 53% of the time, while the expectation of reciprocity was pegged at 94%. That's insane. So expectation versus reality is completely like there's a big gap there. So that just means Mm. that we have as humans this need to be liked. Of course we do. Yeah. 100% we do, but that's how we survive. Like we survive in numbers with each other, right? So. Well, we used to survive like that. Not anymore. I, I Hasn't do. that changed? It has changed because it's made it easier because we're not in danger now, right? We're not in exactly direct danger. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, we are in other ways. Like if you think about the types of danger now we face, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not a predator or it's not someone that's going to fucking mm-hmm. chase us down a hill and kill us. But I think that now it's mental. Yep. And it, this is what it says. Mr. Pentland said that it could be that the possibility of non-reciprocal friendship challenges one's self-image. It does because we really mirror that in ourselves. And that effect, and that can affect your mental health. Yeah. To, to know the fact that somebody you expected you to be your friend is not your friend, that can hurt. And of people carry that people carry that hurt for a really long time. And I find that a lot of this time really it's it's when we are doing something for someone that we don't get in return as well. And that's kind of that's when it really starts affecting us. Because mm. that's when we start kind of going, Oh well I did this for her, I did that for her and now she can't do the same back or whatever. Mm-hmm. it is that's why me personally i i don't have those expectations anymore i used to don't get me wrong but now whatever i do i do it like my own thing where i think you know what i can't expect something in return i will do this because i want to do this for them right now and i don't go i don't behave according to other people's reciprocation anymore because to me i've like i've changed a lot in that way well, and, and that's what I meant by like, you have realized that it's not a danger anymore. Mm. How it used to be a danger from, that's what I was exactly pointing to. Like earlier, we needed that to survive. Yeah. And you've realized that, no, I, I think I can still survive regardless. So now, now that the fear is gone, I think getting over the fear is the first thing. Mm-hmm. You can just give without expecting. Yeah. I think that is a fear, actually. You're right. Because oftentimes we don't give because we're either afraid of whether the other person will want what we give or whether or not the other person will reciprocate and what does that mean for us if they don't exactly and does that mean and that goes back to the question of well does that mean i'm going to be alone yeah and i do i think that that's probably not the best way to look at it like i'm no fucking pro but i do think well it's not the best way to look at it 100 percent. yeah i think that when we're doing something for someone we just do it and we don't think that now this has to be paid back. It's, it's and actually it's hard. It's a hard thing to get to. Well, it, it was. It's hard because more I think about it, I think the idea of money and capitalism mm. has ruined it. Because How all, so? because all, uh, everything in our life, mostly ninety percent of our day, is full of transactions. If you think about it, okay, we're all always consuming something that we are paid for, right? So automatically, your brain goes into the subconscious thing where. If you give something, you get something. Oh, yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah, most of the time, right? But because everything in our life is a give and take, give and take, I think you automatically start assuming that friends should do the same or relationships should yeah, be the same. Yeah, we have actually entered a society that is quite transactional, if you think it about is. it. Yeah. I've really reflected and thought about it a lot since our first podcast that we did where you were talking about, um, you know, being a introvert and stuff like that. And as much as, yes, I do like my own space, I realized... 
and I don't mean this in a horrible way at all, but I don't notice this. I don't actually have my own space. No, you don't. <laughs> like I actually am constantly surrounded. I live with my sister and she, her and I get along really, really well, um, which is, it's rare. Not, yeah, it's rare. It's, it is. It is rare. And we um, often put up with each other's shit. Like, I mean, I don't think that I'm perfect at all by any means. No, not at all. Okay, that's enough. No, and so, <laughs> literally not. And so I... Still not. So <laughs> if I'm not at work, I still technically am not alone. I've got Rambo there and I've got Lily there. Yeah, you've got two dogs. Mm. If anything, like in between you and me, I'm the one. Yeah, more time, you spend more alone time. Which which I which I absolutely fucking love because I have progressed so much as a human being because of being alone and like I just love the idea of, you know, as cliche as it sounds, just having that alone time of because I, I started paying attention to my thoughts and that is what I think we don't do so many times. Our thoughts jeopardize us completely. Mm. And the brain automatically goes into criticism mode, which mm. we do most of the time when we are by ourselves. That's why we don't like it anymore. Yeah, That's our, actually our one of the main reasons. scare us. Exactly, which is a problem because if we if they didn't scare us, nothing can matter. Yeah, when you said our own thoughts scare us, I always wonder, like, I don't, I don't have major anxieties mm. and stuff like that. Mm. I do get anxious. Mm. Well, I, I think everyone, I think anxiety again is what we need to survive. Mm. And do well, actually. And I mean, to be honest, I live alone in my head a lot of the time, I think. Everyone lives alone in their head. Of course. But what I mean to say is that that's the only alone time I get is when I'm in my head and that's it. Yeah. And that's the time you really need to make sure that you're thinking the right thoughts. You know, I I think it's genetic. Like, I think... I literally was going to ask because I watched Crime Scene. Oh, yeah. What did you think about it? I liked it. Well, what's the criticism? No, there was no criticism. I was just... No, 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 no. All I was saying is when we talk about bipolar, I mean, how did she get bipolar? Like, how does it happen? How does it sort of... Okay, so going back to, um, you know, I'm just going to tell people about Crime Scene. So Crime Scene is this documentary on Netflix. If you haven't had a chance, have a watch. And I'm sure Michael Drain, who was with us, he's going to do something on it because... He already has. Oh, he has. So... Not not on the show, but he's already talked about... Yeah, well... um, and, and the girl's name is Elise Lamb, I think. And, you know, one of the really interesting things about that documentary is that they pointed out that there was a, um, a tuberculosis virus going yeah, on at the same time with the same name. And but Lamb, Elisa. Yeah, the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, and that was really weird. Like the whole thing sounds like a massive coincidence. But I don't think we know enough about bipolar. No, we don't. And I think that a lot of people just get told that they have bipolar. People feel more comfortable with the idea of having a black and white answer. But I don't think it's that simple. Like, no. Like what I got from it was I can't even fathom how hard it would be to push away thoughts. Like I've never had it that hard. No. Where- yeah, you have no idea. Yeah, I, I don't actually no know. Like, I legitimately have no idea. And I wonder how that happens. Like, where does it begin? Does well, it start I know. genetically? I Is know that- for myself, but I think a part of one of the big factors. Um, so, I told you this thing, right? I, I did drugs in America, like, one time, and I got this really massive uh, come down from it to the point where it triggered my anxiety. And the anxiety was so much that I had something called derealization, where you don't know what's real and what's not. It's like you're looking at the world through a glass bottle. That's the first time I could define it for myself after a year and a half and what what i found even more scary is the fact that that i could not i just could not push certain thoughts out of my head mm-hmm. because the more you try to push it the more it came in and everyone will tell you uh, a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists will tell you not to fight them okay and let them be just there yeah 
But if they freak you out to a point, it's so much that you you get tired of fighting them as well. Mm. And that's why people who have high levels of anxiety, they're so tired. So uh, I know this two to three years after is when I was talking to my mom. My mom told me that, you know, it's not weird that you have such high anxiety. And I'm like, why? And she's like, well, both your grandparents from both sides are on medication. Dang, this is the interesting part. So anxiety medications don't just work like in a click. It's not like a pain relief, right? It Mm. doesn't numb anything. Mm. So I didn't know this, but you have to test out each medication. To see if it works for you. Yeah, for about one to two months. Yeah, for it to actually show. For it to show that it might work or not. So you're taking a big risk, right? Mm. You're still going to be terrible after two months knowing that this is not working. Yeah. After going through a couple of them, and it took me about a year, I finally landed on one medication, which at the time helped me. It turns out it's the same medication that helped my grandmother. How strange. So it must be genetic. And I, I mean, for my experience, I mean, that's it's weird. Yeah. And finally, some um, a, a professional, a psychiatrist said, hey, if his grandmother has anxiety, what medication is she taking? Yeah. yeah. And my mom's like, this, this, this. And we found the Australian version of that drug. And that finally worked. That's crazy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it's really cool how, but I think it's also highly cultural highly cultural what do you mean oh when i was growing up as a kid i was not the fact that i was genetically anxious as well mm-hmm. like so, something i got made fun of and my mom still says it is that every time i had a math exam i need to go take a shit <laughs> okay and it's funny right it's a really funny thought so random but the more you think about it what is shit it's basically your body trying to eject something out of it <laughs> it's like when you get, yeah. when you're scared and yeah. a predator is following you, a lot of people piss in their pants or shit. They say yes. Yeah, you're going to shit your pants. Mm. Where does that come from? It's exactly the same thing. Release. I was so scared of my math exam because I would get judged at how bad I am at math because I'm Indian. <laughs> Aww. And I wasn't as good as my dad. So the stress and anxiety of that, every time before a math exam, I kid you not, I would wake up at four in the morning, I'd have to take a shit. Why at four? Because I couldn't sleep all night. And as soon as the exam ended, it was gone completely. Yeah. And it's weird. Yeah. No, like I get that. I mean, I have certain things that I do when I get really, really anxious. Like? Like I don't eat. Same. You can't eat. I don't eat. I can't talk. I can't have a normal conversation. I'll be like hyper-focused yeah. on one thing. Yeah. Which I think is quite normal anyway. I think that that's a very normal, as in most people feel that way. And anxiety is, uh, this is the other thing, like Bharat, one of, one of the guys I know yeah. who's a psych- psychologist, he says that, and you should look at anxiety not as a single thing, but as a spectrum. Uh, yeah, Everyone yeah. is at a certain place. A hundred percent. I agree with that. And last year, year and a half ago, before I met you, I had really, really bad version of OCD. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And really intrusive thoughts. Mm. And when anxiety becomes uncontrolled, it can lead to OCD. So yep. it's all on the same spectrum. Yeah. But I think the way you are very good at it, you realize that there's no point fearing it. Yeah. So um, a good friend of mine, she said, you know, how is it that you can push away your negative thoughts? Like, how do you do it? Because I get them a lot. I think that's what makes us human, right? We we do have very intrusive thoughts a lot of the time. It's, mm. it's very common. And I think the brain is kind of... It's such a powerful tool and we have so much going on in it that it's it's not that hard to, um, you know, control lots of how we behave and the choices we make. And so ages and ages ago, I remember this happening where I kept on getting rejected for jobs. Like, you, you know, you apply for jobs and you keep getting rejection emails and they're constantly coming through. Or like, you know, people kind of, even us, like, you know, we write to people and they, sometimes we'll have one day where we get like three or four responses that are like, sorry, we're really busy at the moment, but thank you so much for considering us. And, you know, you get to a point where you're kind of like, is it even worth what I'm doing? Like, I mean, is this, 
You're preaching to the choir, by the way. Yeah, no, I know that. That's what I'm saying. And so I know that this is how most people feel. And, you know, it's always the same. It's always like, oh, you know, maybe I'm not good enough or maybe this isn't good enough. Maybe what I'm doing is shit. Like, whatever. We always come up with those things. And every single time that ever happens to me, I let them happen. I just keep thinking about it until I get over it. Mm -hmm. And then I start combating it by going, is this thing going to affect you tomorrow? And then if I think, well, it could, I think, okay, fine. What about in the next month? Are you going to remember this? Are you going to remember this feeling next month when you're doing something totally different? Because if we think about it, like if you think about how far you've come in life, there'll be big, big, big events that are very negative and huge for us that we will never forget. And whenever you think back, you, you can remember the feeling in your gut. And so, yes, that's fine. And I accept those things. And that's, that is what it is. And that's life. But all the little, little things that happen daily to us that are shit, you know, that seem to sometimes take over and the negative thoughts keep coming and then it exacerbates and it keeps happening and then the next day is shit and then the day after is shit. I find that a lot of the time that's because you have allowed it to get shit Mm -hmm. because you won't let go. Yeah, because um, so so what happened is from a personal experience, um, you get addicted to it. Yeah, it is an addiction. You're addicted to feeling shit. Yeah, it is. It is actually an addiction. And so you keep thinking about the same shit that's shit and then it takes over the next day and it's just there. And I think that the biggest part of what we need to do is let go. Well, I, I think more than let go, what, what really kind of resonated with me with what you said is actually, you know what, feel it till, well, yeah. it, till you're done with it. Let go is really confusing. It's a really yeah. confusing idea for your body, but feeling it completely, I'm like, yeah, fucking bring it up. That's kind of what I do. Like I just sort of let it sit there and I let it yeah, fucking feel, feel shit and I let it happen. And then I think in the next couple of days, this isn't going to matter. Like yeah. how I feel today over this these few things that happened that were rubbish, tomorrow it's not going to matter to me. Or maybe next week it's not going to matter or two months later it's not going to matter because when you look... Definitely won't matter. Yeah, because when you look back, you think, you know, you think back to all your days and you think, oh, that was pretty rubbish. But then you don't remember a lot of the time because every single day just happens, right? Absolutely. And and I think that's why there's so much, you know, strength in the idea of uh, now, like in this moment. Mm. And I think we mostly get upset because we are thinking either too far ahead or too far back. Yeah. I think with the idea of actually just feel it now, hey, will this affect me tomorrow? And if that's the answer, if the answer is yes, great. Keep going. Keep yeah, going. Keep because going. at some point it'll be like, oh, not 10 years from now. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> like at one point you start laughing at yourself. Yeah. Like, come on, not fucking 50 years from Yeah. Now. But that's how I combat that's, that's really good. I think that's a really, really great approach that might work for some people really well. We are able to find them. Yeah, we are. And that's the thing. It's something you learn we as you go. We underestimate us, right? We do. Going back again to the crime scene doco, they talked about a serial killer. What was his name again? Rich- oh, Rich- yeah. He was the night killer. The, the night, night the killer. The night stalker. Yeah, but what was his name? Oh, uh, Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez. Stayed in the hotel. Yes, okay, but that's, yeah, that's fine. Um, so, obviously, no, I... No, it wasn't fine, actually. No, 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 it's horrible. Uh, I didn't mean it like that. Anyway, so the the reason I guess I'm talking about this now is... So, he, with him, I did a bit of research because I was just intrigued by the fact that he was some crazy bastard that just lived there and walked up with, you know, blood all over him and blah, 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 which is a huge in, issue in to, itself. By the way, you need to watch the documentary on him. No, on oh, my Netflix. God, I know, I want to, I yeah. want to. But before I actually did that i was like looking him up and he got married you know that he got married right oh yeah he had a massive female following because they thought he was sexy as fuck so that's 
insane to me and I want to talk to Michael about this. I want to be like, why? Oh, because women in general, like, well, I have a big thing about this as well. Women love the bad boys. Yeah, but really? Yeah. There yeah. has to be something deeper. My personal experience, um, like... <laughs> you're like, because you because <laughs> my I, personal experience. Yeah, but personal experience, I always used to complain about this. I'm like, how good do you have to be as a good guy to be to overtake that bad boy personality where women's like, yeah, maybe Actually, a good maybe guy I would want... be good for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's... A, that's there a... has to be some relationship See, there, some I research there. See, I do not like bad boys at all. Like, they piss me off. A lot of the time I stay... Are you saying you like me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, awkward. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so I've never been like the type that's like, we'll go for the bad boy or whatever it is. I've never had that. And I think it's because I like... Mm. Yeah, okay. What? I don't fully agree with that, but okay. No, I... Not the traditional bad boys, yes. I do... Okay. Anyways, go on. <laughs> no, I actually... I want to know why women do that. And I'm not speaking for all women, though, but because I'm not, I don't think I am one of them. No, I, I think you're not. And I think, and again, I, look, this is really funny, but my ideal theory behind this is like, which I've said a couple of times, is like, your, your thoughts create your reality, right? So if you keep on thinking, why do bad boys always get this? Why do bad boys always get this? They'll keep on repeating in your life. 100%. Mm. 100%. Because that's the reality you're creating. And that's why most people end up dating the same person again and again in different forms. Yeah. And that's that's a great one for a future podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I want to like kind of. I, I do want to pursue this one. This is a good topic. But I am going to touch on something, which is uh, so we have this really amazing guest coming on on a podcast um, that we're going to be recording next week. Yeah, uh, Brian Robertson. Yeah, uh, he's a researcher, and he's come out with this book called Chill. Yeah, hashtag chill. Hashtag chill. Actually, that's important, especially when it comes to your career and life and a work-life balance. Yes. So we are going to be putting out an Instagram post and I'm asking people on the podcast as well. If you have thought about, you know, we have so many videos about productivity, but what does it actually mean? Mm -hmm. And how do you balance work and life or you've suffered from it? And if you have any questions about this, please research Brian Robinson and send us your questions. Yeah. Well, I'll put one up too. Yeah. Yeah. And... You know, and feel free to send us questions on our Reddit group if they like. Yeah. And people can ask questions and he's writing for Forbes magazine. So this guy knows his shit. He's pretty good. He's really good. So he can literally answer one of your most important questions, which would otherwise cost them money. Yeah. He takes patience. He but does. He's a good psychologist, isn't he? Exactly. So yeah, you're going to get this for free. And uh, yeah, leave us a review for a podcast that helps us. Yes, it does help. Oh, you're so bad at this. You I know, are I'm really literally good at this. so bad at this. All I'm doing is I I'm like adding to your. <laughs> is that how bad I've myself? Why are you would hurt yourself? Because you're not adding anything to this. I'm and just I feel agreeing like I'm doing, with you, though. You're like, I'm oh, we really it. have to do this. Yes, we do have to do this. I'm not. I actually, yeah, I agree with you. The more listeners we have, you know, the better guests we can get. I love talking to people. <laughs> it's yeah. like my favorite thing ever. Yeah, and um, I'm tired. I'm doing that thing again, aren't I? You are. You're absolutely. You are. You have already moved out of this room. You're walking. <laughs> I'm you're walking so, outside. You're on Mars at this point. <laughs> All right. Uh, any last words? No. All right. That's a good last word. Um, yeah, but I think takeaway big mantra from Huda's takeaway today is we got to call it Huda's uh, mantra. But I've got so many. Okay, let's stick to one. <laughs> Which is, will this thing affect me tomorrow? Which is a really good one. I think I'll I'll take that okay, cool. for myself today. That's good. And we'll catch you guys really soon. Yay! Oh, wow. I'm going to have to get that out. <laughs> yeah, that was so great. <laughs> All right.